This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. going to turn anywhere. Let's start in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to get to that. I purpose to get to that on this evening. And we have, for this subsection of teaching, you know, the general topic has been on authority, but in this subsection we're talking about authority in the church and violating authority affects lives. Violating authority affects lives. And in a way of review, I want to remind you and keep us grounded that we're talking about God's house. We're not talking about man's house, not man's establishment. We're talking about God's house. We're not talking about a physical location. We're talking about a spiritual alignment. And remember, in that alignment, there's relationship as father to children, as children to father. There's fellowship as with friends. And there's also authority. And never get it twisted because someone has authority delegated to them that you do not have, that doesn't mean anything about your relationship. doesn't mean anything about your fellowship. Okay? But in God's house, in as much as we are related, in God's house, in as much as we do have fellowship, there will be authority. And we saw, and we again, I just love Second Samuel chapter 7. There's just so much in it. We saw when David was extending his heart and his desire toward God, God is like, you know, i got a construction project of my own, David. And what I'll do is I'll let you be, I'll let you work on that construction package, right? But in his construction package, all it is is goodness for us. That's all it is. So this is why I tell you, as much as we sing our songs about, you know, he's our father, we rejoice in that, and as much as we rejoice in him calling us friends, we ought to rejoice in the authority. Because in that line of authority, and remember we told you, God is the benefactor, and we are the beneficiaries of this line of authority, which is why I want to make sure you understand. So I want you to properly value God's line of authority in his house. And remember God's line of authority. God is now speaking by the Son. And the Son has asked for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is now with us. And the Holy Spirit then ordains pastors. And then gifts men. And we find that in the church. And what I want you to make sure that you do is that you value the line of authority and not necessarily the people in authority. Because people come and go. People will change. But God has established his authority from now until Jesus returns in the church so that you can be taken care of. And when we don't value our authority, I want to make sure that you understand this. It's kind of like we're talking about receiving questions for family life class and we're doing our premarital teaching currently in our family life class. And some people come into class with their minds made up about what's going to happen and it doesn't matter what's spoken and then the class becomes a formality for some people God's line of authority pastors in particular it's just a formality you know, eventually you know, someone in the family is going to die and we need somebody to bury us 
we're not properly valuing. You know, if if we get married, you know, we want to have a pastor we can ask to do the ceremony. That's not properly valuing. Some people, to get parents off their back, they'll sit in the church. That's not properly valuing. They don't even understand that they're the ones who are going to benefit from them being under authority and remaining under authority. And I'm, I try not to get off track, but it just it does concern me in this day and age where we have been so entertainment-minded, we don't know whether or not we've really had church or not. We don't know if we're really in this house or not. You know, if the preacher doesn't move me in the natural, if I don't feel it, then it wasn't God. But God's doing the work. you got to trust God. you got to trust Him all the way. <laughs> Let me keep going. So remember, God, through His line of authority, is giving you the benefits. He's giving you the benefits. Now, when it comes to the line of authority, we have one responsibility, and that is to recognize authority. To recognize authority. And so I mentioned to you three categories of violation of authority. So when we talk about violating authority, this is failure to recognize authority. Failure to recognize authority. So when I mention one category of that aggressive and open rebellion, you know, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We wouldn't be involved with that, or so people say, but eventually people do. And then we talked about that silent rebellion, you know, and, and yeah, that's true. We, we hear, but we don't really value what we hear, and we just throw it away and do what we want to do, and we don't have to make a ruckus about it. But the other thing where we fail to recognize authority is when we omit authority. We get everybody else's piece of counsel, everybody else's direction. And, and understand me in this, with everybody's direction, but we don't come to God's house. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. To God's house. Let me say that again. To God's house. And I'm trying to see how to relate this to you. God has a line of authority. Right? God has an order in his line of authority. It is not for you to receive from every church, every local church. Amen. Glory to your name. <laughs> it's not for you to receive from every... God places you. That's his order. And in that place is where you are to remain. That's where he's going to feed you. That's where he's going to nourish you. Okay? But... And I say that because when it comes to omission, we'll get counsel from other ministries. If we had a camera, I'd, I'd ask them to pan just to make sure everybody at home knew that people are actually in here. We're going to get counsel from other ministries when we know where we've been placed. And we don't count that as omission, but what we're saying is we don't really value God's order and the line of authority he's put me under. All right. Boy, oh boy. Am I, am I in the right place this evening? 
And understand, this, this is what I want to make sure you understand about this. I'm not saying for every little thing you need to blow up your pastor. You need to be on the pastor's schedule for everything that comes along. You know, you stubbed your toe. You don't need to, you know, that's not that critical. Should I buy a house? Should I not? You know, some things just aren't that critical. But I'm talking about those things that hit you to the core, that shake you. And as much as you put on a good face, and as much as you say, I'm standing in faith, you know what's going on on the inside. And you're not so settled, and you're not so sure. And you've prayed, and, and it's, still not, it's still not there. These are the times that you're at a crossroads, and you need a word from God. But God has established how you will hear from Him. He has an order. He has an alignment. And in as much as you want to go and hear from certain people, He has an order. He has an alignment. And I mentioned to you before, and this is so incredible to me. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You know, sometimes you get flooded with things. God's order and God's alignment. He has an order. He has an alignment. One of the things that, that just crossed my mind, and it just I believe the Spirit of God put it there, is that, I believe it is God in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, I believe God does put a call in the lives of people. And what I find so incredible is that when they have calls on their lives, how many people don't go to their line of authority? In fact, what they do is they leave where God has set them because they think they have a call. But God has ordained a way that they can hear properly. And that is in the house. In the specific order that he has set them. Do you hear me? People get calls and then they stop hearing. They stop listening. And now, suddenly, I got what you got. It sounds like Korah. We're all holy. I can be as called as you. And as much as there's relationship and there's fellowship, there's still going to be authority. And you might want to go outside and see, because what happens is people get calls and then their authority doesn't let them do what they want to do when they want to do it. There's still only one order. There's still only one way. Now, back to what I was originally saying. You didn't know I was going to say this. But what happens is that we think that our authority is against us. We think that our authority doesn't like us. We think in our local church that certain pastors, certain ministers, they, they're against us. But I find it so amazing. God won't let them be against you. Hallelujah. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies, how much more so? Even as much as you might get on their nerves, is God going to make them cooperate? Why? Because it's not about them. It's about God and His house. And remember, He's a benefactor. We're the beneficiaries. And He won't let anybody stand in the way. This is why He tells us, when we're so quick, we want to be so quick to criticize who we think are against us, and they're sitting in the seat of authority, these are my servants. It's before me that they stand or they fall. I'm going to able to hold them up and keep them in line. 
Now, when it comes to omission, again, omission is one of those things that we, we don't consider rebellion. We don't consider it violating authority, but it is. And especially in omission, what we're doing is we get out there and we lean on our own understanding. We do what we want to do and we think we know what we, what we need to do and we go out and we do it, do it without the proper counsel that we need. Make important decisions without the proper counsel that we need. And we looked at, and I, I think it is so interesting, when it comes to Paul counseling Timothy about he needed to drink some stuff that he didn't want to drink. Again, the point being, sometimes you need special guidance and direction that doesn't come from what you think you know. And for God to give you that direction that you need, contrary to what you think you know. See, God knows. You just think you know. And you sit in your comfortable position saying, I know, I know, I know. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. You don't properly value God's line of authority. Give him room. He might perfect with what you think is so perfect, but which really is imperfect. And that imperfect thing is preventing you from having the life he wants you to have. See, he's the benefactor. We're the beneficiaries. And so, in order for him to get things in order, as it pertains to what we think we know, he has a line of authority that he can speak through. You hear me? He has a line of authority that he can speak through. Sometimes we think we know, and we don't know what we think we know. But we think we know. How's he going to correct that? He has a line of authority that corrects you. Let me tell you, this is one reason, this is one of the reasons why you know you're in a good church. You get corrected. The thing that you held on for so long gets confronted. And it gets confronted by the word. And you have no choice but to say, yeah, that's God. That's when you know. Now, if you sit in a place where, uh, I never get corrected, something's wrong. Because you're stuck in what you think you know. And you don't know like you think you know. You with me? Now, the point of pointing this out is because in the long run, it costs you. Whether you violate authority through aggressive and open rebellion, whether you violate authority through that silent rebellion, or whether you violate authority through omission, it costs you. Why? Because whenever authority is violated, it defiles. Violating authority moves the violator away from the faith and holding a good conscience. It costs you because you should be covered, but you become uncovered. And we spent a second in First Corinthians chapter 11. I went places I didn't necessarily mean to go, but remember the example, you know, I brought up the two brothers up here before you uh, so that you can understand as long as I am under authority, remember the benefits. Dunamis on my side. I've got wisdom. And my God knows I need to be corrected with some wisdom. I've got peace. I've got protection. I've got my needs met. See, that's my security detail. This is why it can be written, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you're with me. How do I know he's with me? Your rod and your staff. That authority. As long as I stay with that authority, I'm all right. 
they comfort me. And so as long as I stay with that, I got dunamis, I got wisdom, I got protection, I got my needs met. But as soon as I violate, fail to recognize authority, God doesn't take them away. I throw them off. That's why we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to talk about the women who were throwing off their covering. Not really considering what they were doing. That's what we do when we omit God's line of authority from our lives. We throw off our covering and we don't understand that our covering is all the goodness of God. And God's not taking it away from us. We, without knowing what we're doing, throw it off from us. This is one of the reasons why you, this is why we say that if you don't have a church that you call a home, you need a covering. Uh, You're missing it. Y'all aren't getting this at all, are you? This is why you need a covering, because God has an order. God has an alignment. This is how he gets his goodness to you. See, he sent his word to heal you. He blesses us saying, we need a word from God. And God says, I I got a word for you. Remember, we saw that over in Psalms. He said, oh, if my people would only let me. If they would only let me. I had all this goodness for them, but they wouldn't let me. That's why you need a covering. This is part of his order. That's why you need to be in a church. I know how people have this issue with organized religion. First of all, we're not a religion. This is why he has this order. Because we're in fellowship and we're in relationship. But with that comes his authority. And that authority is there that he might minister into our lives and get us what we need. That's why you need a covering. That's why you need to be a, a member of an organized local church. I don't know what else you'd be looking for. Just organize local church? Run. You need to organize ministry that is under the word of God. And you need to sit your tail there. Why? I'm going back. Again, I'm repeating the things I'm saying. and I'm saying in different ways. But lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord. See, when you lean on your own understanding, you're not trusting in him. When you omit God's line of authority, you're not trusting in Him. But when I come to a place and I be settled and I trust God there, then I'm not leaning on my own understanding. Then I got the counsel of God. Then I've got the wisdom I need. Then I've got the peace that I so long for. Then I got the protection I even know I need. My needs are met there. You need a cover. So to leave the line of authority God has established is to go from covered to uncovered. Remember, God is not taken away from us. We're throwing the cover off. Now, I do want to make mention of this because it, 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 some of the things that we mentioned, I mentioned, say we, I, I mentioned on last Wednesday, I know that it, 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 it challenged some people when we, we talked about what I call sanctification, what I call holiness. When we talked about people's tattoos. Talked about people's piercings. And I was careful to say. I know some people, I I don't like how you said it. I was careful to say that you're not going to hell for that. But you don't see anything wrong with that? I'm going to give you what I heard from God. You ready for this? Because sometimes I have, if I could relate it to you. 
as it's in my spirit, I, I would. But sometimes I just can't find the words. I really can't. So I was grateful to God for this. Now, as it pertains to holiness and sanctification, and what that has to do with adopting the practices of this world. That's what I was talking about. We just blindly adopt the practices of this world and don't think twice about it. Okay? Now, I will agree. And I will fully... In fact, we'll talk about it today, maybe. We're not under the law. We're not tied down by a list of restrictions. But we're under grace. Would you agree? After all, it is written, for by grace are we saved. So we're saved by grace. But I like how it says we are saved by grace through faith. Now here's the thing about faith. Faith works. But faith works by love. Catch me. Faith works. But faith works by love. Love. In other words, we have liberty because we're not under the law. Stay with me. We have liberty because we're not under the law. We're under grace by faith. But our liberty cannot be without love and reverence. You still with me? See, we have liberty. So why don't we just do everything and anything? Because faith works by love. And in the liberty I have, I can't have liberty without love and reverence. When we adopt the ways of the world, we have to consider what we are adopting. And the Word makes it plain to us. If you love the world... If you love the world, if you love the world, the love of the Father, faith works by love. The love of the Father is not in you. Again, I want to make sure that this is clear. I'm not talking about those people who before Christ had all these things going on. What else are you going to do? You're going to go with the flow of the world. Because faith's not working there. But after you have received Christ, after you have received of the Spirit, I mean, it doesn't bother you. Here's, here's the thing that, that I do believe. I believe that people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But at the same time, I believe we have an unction of the Holy Spirit. I believe when you go into that tat bar, the tattoo bar, when you go there and you're born of the Spirit, the Spirit is like, really? Are we serious? And you may not have knowledge of the scriptures but God has given you a comforter who's there to help you understand you know that didn't feel right that's the best, that's the best way you can say it yeah it was the Holy Spirit so when we adopt the ways of the world we have to consider what we're adopting those who love the world the love of the Father is not in them in other words I don't remain with God by restriction I restrict my life because of my love for God. That's all I'm saying. Now listen. You're going to do what you want to do. 
Amen? You got to do what you want to do. But my point is that there are different ways to violate authority. And if, and let me tell you, this is one of the things that's amazing to me in the salvation experience is that he gives us the Holy Spirit so that when we don't know, we do know. <laughs> I hadn't seen. Ear hasn't heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. Amen. I'm sorry if, if you're convicted about it. You know, you're convicted about it. You can't go undo what has been done. But I can say this. If you miss God once, don't miss him twice. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Now. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's go here. Let me, let me get started with this. You in Galatians chapter 2. Now, here's what I want you to consider. Just like I'm talking about valuing God's line of authority, I think sometimes we don't value our own lives. By this I mean, your example is powerful. The Bible refers to it as a light. Jesus said, so let your light shine before men. It's talking about being an example. It is referred to as an epistle read of all men. Have you all heard those scriptures before? Peter says, in fact, when Peter calls us a peculiar people, he says that we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What he's talking about is he's talking about your example. We're to be showing forth. I want you to know that your example is of great value. Many of us think that what we do doesn't matter. This is what I mean when I say that sometimes we don't value ourselves properly. It doesn't matter what I do. It's no big deal. Somebody's watching. Somebody's listening. You are being observed, whether you know it or not. And see, your example is of great value. And the thing that you have to understand is God knows. <laughs> God knows. You may not recognize the value, but he does. God, when you don't recognize the value of your example, he does. When you don't see it as important, he does. Your example may mean more to God than it does to you. God recognizes the importance of your example and how critical your example is, even when you don't. How you relate 
to God's line of authority is an example. It may not be important to you, but it is important to God. Now hear me as we enter into this in Galatians chapter 2. Verse, starting at verse 11. But when Peter, this is Paul talking, but when Peter, when Brother Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Stop right there. So here we have, we got brothers in the church. <laughs> we got Paul, we got Peter. Paul's like, yeah, but I had to let my brother know some things. Now, the key word, even though he doesn't use it here, I don't think we're going to find it in our section of Scripture here, but the key word is liberty. Just like we just talked about, we have a liberty. We have a liberty, but that liberty doesn't mean we can do any and everything we want to do. There's some constraints around our liberty. Well, Peter was enjoying his liberty. What do you mean? He was eating stuff that was unlawful for him to eat. It was against the law for him to eat the things that the Gentiles were eating. But he sure was enjoying his liberty. Paul, Peter, the other Gentiles, Barnabas with him. It's time to eat. What you eating? You know, that's not... But yeah, I got liberty. I'm going to eat with y'all. But when certain Jews came... What does it say? Verse 12. For before that certain came from James, he was enjoying his liberty. When they were come, he withdrew. When, when those who came with James, or from James, came, he withdrew and separated himself. Now, in Peter separating, he never told anybody else they needed to separate. At least not according to this passage of Scripture. He didn't say, come on, y'all, we need to separate. No, he, he separated. He didn't tell everybody else to separate it, but he separated. But you know what ended up happening? He didn't know the value of his example. He separated, didn't tell anybody you need to separate, but they, in seeing his example, they separated also. Now, Paul's issue here is that if you are free, Peter, if you're at liberty... Why are you locking yourself back up and taking other people with you? And I'm sure Peter's thinking, that's just me. This is personal. Not about anybody else. Paul's like, no, 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 no. It's not about you because you're an example. Look at this in verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Let me make sure you understand this. And all the things that we've said when we talk about the line of authority, never forget the word has authority. 
Never forget that. He has placed His Word even above His name. How do I know that I'm in a church that's contained within God's house? The Word has to be paramount. We're not led by the opinions of men. Not led by the ideals of men. We're led by the Word of God. Don't you ever, do you, don't you ever be an individual who goes to church and just repeats what the minister says as if it's gospel. You need to know the Word for yourself. You need to go behind and check to see and make sure that you're receiving the Word of God. And not man's opinion. Don't you ever do that. Oh, we know better. Yeah, you say that. But sometimes we get, I hear it. Minister, pastor, minister, minister. Yeah, yeah but, but, but what did the word say to you? What happens when you forget what the minister says? What happens when you forget what pastor says? Or what happens when somebody else comes and says something totally contradictory? To what another minister said, you better know the word for yourself. Fourteen. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You see that question? It's like, here you are, a Jew, you can't even live like a Jew. And now you want the Gentiles to live like you couldn't live. Verse 15. We, who are Jews by nature, by birth, and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. You see where he took it? He says, you're worried about the law, but you're enjoying liberty. Why now, in the, during your liberty, are you trying to take those who are at liberty and bring them under your law? But how did he do it? Did he force people to do it? He compelled them by example. Verse 16 again. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we, he's talking about us Jews by nature, have believed in Jesus Christ. That we might be justified, because we know justification not in the law of works, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Ah, I, I know this language gets you, or it can get you. But all he's saying is that, here it is, you... Enjoying your liberty, now are acting like that's sin. So now in your liberty, is Christ now the minister of sin? He says, you're conflicted, aren't you? Which way do I go? I mean, am I under the law? Am I under grace? Verse 17, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, even things that aren't lawful, because we now establish the law again. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If I go back and reestablish the law in my life, 
I am locking myself back up. I'm declaring myself a sinner. You understand what he's saying here? Stay with me. He is saying that, yes, Peter, you enjoyed that liberty. And you had no issue with it. But then suddenly other people come, and now you know what? The law is back in effect. So now if the law is back in effect, you just made yourself a sinner. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Oh, I love this. This is just great. How am I dead to the law? Well, because you were a sinner. (laughs) And the law condemned you. But you didn't die. Somebody else did. And in his death, you died. For I, through the law, am dead to the law. I'm dead now. That old man is dead that I might live unto God. Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Oh, that's the scripture in itself. I'm, I'm going back to what I talked about as far as sanctification goes. I live, but no, it's not me. It's Christ living in me. So am I doing what Christ would do? Am I participating in what Christ would participate in? Am I taking the actions Christ would take? Because I died. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I'm sorry, this, these things get me. I, I'm, I'm trying to get to a point. We're talking about examples. Your example is important. Peter's example is important. Your example is as, as important as Peter's. But this thing gets me about this. He says, I don't frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. In other words, I don't put restrictions on myself. Wow, how do I say this? I find that in the church, we put restrictions on people that God has not said we need to put on them. And we say that you're not really saved if you don't follow this. If you don't do that. Oh, do I go here? We can be silly. Do I sprinkle or do I dunk? And we bring people into question because they got sprinkled and we got dunked. But are they saved by water? Are they saved by grace? Oh, if we're talking about baptism, then we talk about whose name were you baptized in? Now, we don't talk about the devil. We said, now, do you, name, do you say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Or do you say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because they're not the same. You know, again, are you saved by the pronunciation of either the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit or the pronunciation of Jesus Christ? Are you saved by grace in the same gospel? Those are examples. We do other things. One of the things I do get concerned about, and this has always been one of my concerns about this ministry and any ministry, is that in our non-denominationalism, we become a denomination ourselves. We become the very self-same thing we say we left. I'm sorry. Stop. I don't mean to go there. I really don't. But sometimes, for lack of a better term, you get arrested. And we need to watch ourselves. 
And what we do is we put heavy burdens on people. Sounds like the Pharisees. Heavy to be born. And we do more damage than we do good. We shouldn't frustrate the grace of God working in other people's lives. Let me keep going. I want you to see chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Now, I like that word bewitched. Because that word bewitched goes back to Peter didn't tell him to do anything differently. He ties Peter's bad example to bewitching. Now, the one thing I want you to notice, wow, did I not put it on here? I didn't put it on here. When he says they were bewitched, well, uh, maybe I did. No, I don't see it. When he says bewitched, he's actually telling them, who has cast an evil spell on you that you should move yourself away from the truth? That's what he literally means when he says bewitched. Who cast an evil spell on you? Again, tie this back to the example. He's saying no one had to tell you exactly what to do. Someone could have just been a bad example and you end up bewitched. Stay with me. Violating authority. Whether it's open and aggressive rebellion. Whether it's silent rebellion. Whether it's omission. All of it costs. It costs you first. But because you don't know the value of example of your example, you don't know that it costs others. And whether you do it by omission, whether you do it by silent rebellion, whether you do it with open and aggressive rebellion, your example is powerful. It's so powerful. I want you to understand this is why Paul dealt with Peter the way he did. And I went through all that, all that scripture to make sure you understand. He's talking about the gospel. He's defending the gospel. You don't understand that your example makes a statement about the gospel. And when you don't see that it's important, God does. Verse 14. But when I, this is Paul talking. But when I, Paul, saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, causing other people to follow that example, I said unto Peter, before them all. That's all I want you to see. He said it before them all. And you know how we do. Uh, brother, couldn't you have pulled me to the side and said that? You know, can you whisper that? You don't have to do. You don't have to be like that. See, you're showing off now. No, he had to do it before them all. See, while Peter didn't recognize the criticality of his example, God did. Again, we're thinking. Here's how we get when we talk about church discipline. That was a little bit too harsh. You you, you don't know the power of the example. You don't know how critical 
God sees that example. Listen, and you might never be called out before them all. But again, this is about the gospel now. You might never be called out before them all, but there's an example in you. You're doing some leading. You're doing some guiding. Go back and read that section of Scripture. When it talks about the dissimulation, you know what, he's, what that word really means? They're hypocrisy. Paul said those are the acts of hypocrites. And he's right. And one side saying I got liberty, and the other side saying I'm tied down by law. He said people were pulled away with that hypocrisy. So when we look at it, we, in our bleeding hearts, are like, he didn't have to do that before them all. He really didn't have to make a show of them like that. He didn't have to make that so public. Well, well, the thing is, Peter did it in public. Okay, okay, here, here we go. Why before all? Why before all? Why before all? Number one, because somebody witnessed that. He like, it's only, well, well, see, 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 God so loved the world that only, see, he leaves the 99 and goes after that one, that person that you thought wasn't that critical, critical to God. Somebody witnessed that. Man, but before somebody witnessed that. Now, understand this when I say somebody witnessed that, I don't necessarily mean somebody that was in the room. I don't mean somebody laid eyes on you. But you know how made me think of this uh, here recently. Somebody at, at work with, had shared something with me and said, hey, I haven't told anybody about this. This is what's going on. And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm flattered you told me, and I know that they associate with somebody else. Um, and they work with somebody, they associate with this other individual, and they were standing not too far off, but they were, weren't close enough to know what we were talking about. I said, well, have you told so-and-so? And they looked at me and said, you know, as soon as I tell them, everybody's going to know. No, I haven't told them. What you think is so under the cover, it's not as under the cover as you think it is. News of your act, as private as you thought it was, is going to travel. So when I say somebody witnessed that, I mean those who saw it, and maybe they didn't see it, but they will hear of it. A demonstration, turn to Acts chapter 5, a demonstration of incorrect behavior, <laughs> a demonstration of incorrect behavior by those who are supposed to be mature will leave an impression on little ones. Let me say it again. A demonstration of incorrect behavior by those who are supposed to be mature will leave an impression on little ones. When I say little ones, I don't, I'm not talking about age, I'm talking about those who aren't, aren't as mature. It's going to leave an impression. Amen. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. So here you are. You're a 23-year-old. You're like, hey, nobody's watching me. There's somebody less mature than you. 
who's looking at you thinking that you're supposed to know. Just say amen for me there. Let me say it again. You, here you are sitting 19 years old, 18 years old, whatever the age might be that you think is so young and in, so inconsequential. See, while you don't understand or recognize the criticality of your example, God does. He knows no matter what you do, somebody's watching. So whatever it is you did, somebody witnessed it. And we look back and see some of our children. Where did they get that from? I wonder where they got it from. A demonstration of incorrect behavior will leave an impression on little ones. Acts chapter... Did I say two? Thank you. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, starting at verse number 1. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy, meaning it wasn't supposed to be public, to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But, Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yay, for so much. And I, I, nobody knows except us. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together? <laughs> to send the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You mean I don't have to do whatever my, my husband says? Yeah, how are you going to agree together to do that which is contrary to the will of God? Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not in marital counsel now, am I? We don't need to go there, do we? You know what's right. It's plain. There's no controversy about it. And they want to do contrary to it. Well, I got to follow. Do you? I'm sure she could have used that. I'm sure she was in heaven. But, but, but God, I just did what... I was being submissive. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. <laughs> then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in, and found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Now, I, I, what gets me about this is I don't necessarily see Peter going, uh, we'll say it this way, the next Sunday and saying, y'all know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, right? I don't think that's how it was heard. I think what they thought was so secret wasn't as secret. You know how our secrets are. Not only us, no. And a lot of us can't hold water, let alone a good secret. 
And we got the people that we tell some things to. And somehow those things get out. And so in as much as they thought this was private and secret, it wasn't so secret. People knew. And people were watching. <laughs> Somebody witnessed that. So if you want to violate authority, you can. It's up to you. But God knows the power of your example. God knows the value of your example. Why before all? Because somebody witnessed that. Inasmuch as you thought it was undercover, God said, no, no, somebody witnessed that. Why before all? Why before all? Why correct before everybody else? See, the first person to witness it are those in your own home. The first people to witness what you think is in secret are those of your own home. And then shortly thereafter, those in your community. Amen. We're talking about valuing God's line of authority so that we don't violate authority, so that we don't fail to recognize authority. And not only cost you, it cost others. And so when we have this bad example given before others, Paul confronts it before all. Why? Because somebody witnessed that. And those first people to witness it are those in our own home. And then those in our community. Number two, why before all? Because we need to make the record clear. Before all. Because somebody witnessed that. Before all, because we need to make the record clear. It has to be clearly marked as wrong in the eyes of those who witness it. It has to be clearly marked as wrong in the eyes of those who witness it. Mm. Because if not, somebody's going to get confused when you profess different things. Mm. Amen. When you say one thing but do another. When you do one thing and say another. Somebody's going to get confused. So we need to make the record clear. We need to point out what is wrong. You know, turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Let's go there quickly. Look at verse 12 and 13. This is about Gideon. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So, so I find it interesting that Gideon was taught. He was talking about the goodness of God. See, when you're talking about being brought, brought up out of Egypt, how we were in bondage, but he made us free. See, that's the gospel message. So he was taught of the goodness of God. 
So, obviously, Gideon's father had passed down to him that God is a redeemer. God is a true redeemer. But now, when you look at verse 25, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullocks. Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. The same family line that taught that God is a redeemer. Preach the gospel, how God brought us up out of bondage, out of Egypt, overthrew a mighty nation, so that we would have a nation of our own and we could be free. Uh, uh, then God says, go throw down his idol altar. The idol was wrong. And that altar had to come down. <laughs> I, I, I love it. There is confusion here. But God says, I have an answer to confusion. I'm going to make the record clear. The idol comes down. Why before all? Because somebody witnessed that. Why before all? Because we have to make the record clear. Wrong has to be pointed out clearly as wrong. Number three, why before all? We need to counter the bad example. Wrong is wrong. And that wrong needs to be identified as wrong, shown as wrong. But right must also appear as right. What is right must be made plain. Just like wrong is made plain, right has got to be made plain. So, yeah, so they have a bad example, and we're going to point out it's bad, but now we've got to counter it with that which is right. And I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.